0: listening to the official podcast of the mission Redlands we are a growing community living out god 's radical love so there 's a saying that i 've adopted within the last few years uh, that I find increasingly true <laughs> uh, and in addition to that I find myself recognizing its truth more and more in my personal life and uh, this saying has had a very significant impact on the way I strive to uproot worry and anxiety in 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 my life and the saying goes like this it's very profound are you ready are you ready okay okay just checking make sure you're there okay um the saying goes like this, the thing is not the thing. The wow. thing is not the thing, right? Write that down in your notes, right? Okay? The thing, it, 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 it isn't, isn't that so good? The thing is not the thing. I, I think it was Sigmund Freud who first said that, actually. He said it like, uh, the thing is not the thing. Now tell me about your mother. No, I'm just kidding. I actually, I actually have no idea who who, who said it at first, who, where the saying came from. But, uh, but I I can speak to the speak to the truth of the saying. It's, it's so true. The thing is not the thing. The, think about all the times you've taken medicine to relieve pain, right? But. Uh, I have a, I have pretty bad back issues, right? And and for a long time, I would get up in the morning and immediately be met with crippling back spasms to the point where my wife and kids were were like worried about me, right? And, and, and I I could take ibuprofen all day long, right? I could take it all day long, but eventually that medicine was gonna wear off, right? And and, and I would be left with pain again because. Uh, the, so finally, what ended up happening was one day, my back and neck both locked up so bad that I couldn't turn to check the lane next to me while I was driving. Anybody ever been there? Like, yeah, right? Like, that's how bad it was. I, I couldn't even turn my head like this far. And so I, I agreed to go to the chiropractor, which is code for Kim made the appointment and said I was going, right? And... Um, and, and man, did it help, right? It really helped. And, and almost immediately, it, like, my, my back took a significant turn for the better. And, and the ibuprofen was masking the pain for a period of time, right? But it wasn't, it wasn't until I started to address the real problem, which was my back, not the pain that I felt, that things got better, Too many times we focus on masking the pain for a bit and ignore the real issue. Uh, The thing is not the thing, right? And how how about this? Think about how many times you've been in an argument with your spouse or your significant other, and and the argument seems to be about something that is complete nonsense, right? Like, Like maybe it's how you leave dishes on the counter or maybe you don't organize the dish, loading the dishwasher effectively, or or um, how it's because you, you leave no gas in the car, or maybe it's about how you make how you make the bed and your hospital corners aren't tight enough, right? Like uh, I'm not drawing from my personal life at all right now, I promise. No, I'm just kidding. I totally am. <laughs> uh, 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 I've learned over and over and over again the painful truth that those arguments are never about the thing that started the argument, right? It, it goes way deeper than that. And, and when you get past all of the irritation that is built up, the actual problem usually ends up being uh, that the other person doesn't feel heard or valued or respected, right? Right? And and, and so the thing that set this argument off is not actually the reason why you're fighting. All the guys in the room are like, oh, (laughs) right? Like, oh, man, wow, right, right? And, And like the thing is not the thing. It just works on so many levels. The thing is not the thing. And I would argue that the same principle applies to the way that we deal with money. Like many times we face anxiety about money and we allow our fear to drive us to bad decision making instead of addressing the real problem that lays deeply embedded within our hearts. We're we're in a new sermon series right now called The War Within, and this is week two. And in this series, we're inviting, we're inviting God to probe our heart's in mind so that we can begin to wage war on the real issues behind the stuff that we struggle with. Uh, there's an essential statement behind this series that the Apostle Paul vocalized in Romans 7, 19 and 20. And uh, I, know, I know it resonates deeply with me, and, and I'm sure it's going to resonate deeply with you. Um, it says this, uh, For I do not do the good I want but the evil I do not want is what I keep doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, I have to read this slowly because there's a lot of do's. (laughs) Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. That is such an honest, sincere statement. Uh... Why do I keep doing the things I don't want to do instead of the things I do want to or should want to? How do I keep ending up in the same place time after time that has never led me anywhere good? Why do I keep doing the things that I do? Am I trapped in an endless sin cycle? I know many of us have been there, and to think the Apostle Paul, who was blinded by the resurrected Jesus, then healed, the one who wrote a large majority of the New Testament and the one, and, and one of the greatest heroes of the faith, in my personal opinion, has this war going on inside of him, right? Uh, why do I do the things I hate and not the things that are good? That should be an encouragement to us because if the apostle Paul dealt with this, then that means it's okay to acknowledge it and open up about it in our own lives. Is that right? Is that right? Ricardo set the stage last week for this message and spoke about how we all have two competing views in our minds. The first of which is the worldly perspectives that we have been indoctrinated with by our culture. And the other is the standards of God. Sometimes we can get into a place where we end up trying to bend one view to comply with the other. But the truth is, simply put, the two are always going to be at war. They're always going to be at war. And no amount of rationalizing can change that fact. Think about the war right now that is going on for your money. You have Apple trying to get you to buy a $1,000 iPhone. There are multiple alcohol companies that are telling you that if you just buy their latest adult beverage, your life is going to be so much more fun, right? Spectrum wants you to drop Direct TV so that you can pay them for your TV, right? Like, there are even good things competing for your money. There's tons of good things, honorable things that are, that are, that are competing for your money. How many of you have been approached... About giving to natural disaster relief recently, right? I, I know you have because I did it. I asked you to give to to natural disaster relief, right? Like I, the mission did it, right? And because we, lo- cause, and I'm glad that's something we should do. We need to take care of the needy. Like we need to take care of our brothers and sisters in Houston, Florida, Puerto Rico, Mexico. All of the devastation that has happened recently, that's our job as Christians to take care of those in need. So I'm glad. I'm glad we did it. But but here's the thing is that sometimes the stuff can pile up and we can begin to feel like where does it end? Right? Where does it end? But like, it, 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 there's only so much I can do with my little paycheck, Jason. Like, I, 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 have, I have a family to feed, right? Like, anxiety about money can get to a place really quick where we either become paralyzed with fear, or we just give up the fight and dive headlong into bad decision making. Believe me, I've been there, right? Right? So I don't say that in a judgmental way. I speak directly from life experience. Like, uh, Jesus actually spent a ton of time on his earth talking about how to posture our minds and hearts towards money. It, It may shock you to know that out of the 38 parables Jesus told, 16 of them have to do with money and possessions. 16 of the 38 have to do with money and possessions. A staggering 1 out of 10 of the verses in the Gospels deal directly with money. 1 out of 10 in the Gospels. The Bible offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money and possessions. So obviously, money and possessions are important, right? They're important. And, and maybe Jesus talked about it so much because he knew that it would be a, co- a consistent stumbling block for us. That there is the, and there's proof to that, actually. A survey released by a company called Experion, and it, the survey was released in January uh, of this year, states that of the, of the people surveyed many... uh, Oh, say, let me start that sentence over again. In January 2017, the survey stated that of the people surveyed, money played a role in 59% of their divorces. 59%. So if Jesus talked a lot about it, and there's proof that it's killing marriages the church should probably be in that conversation. The church should probably be talking about it. And so Jesus' take on money is pretty cut and dry. He takes a very straightforward approach to it. In Matthew 6, in in the chapter of Matthew 6, is where we're going to spend most of our time today. So if you want to turn there. Matthew chapter 6, he says, No one, this is Jesus talking, um, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Now, I love um, Bob Dylan, uh, hence why my oldest son is named Dylan, right? And, and the year I was born, he released a song about this verse called, Serve Somebody. Anybody ever heard it? I knew Jeff. I count Jeff in for sure. Um, uh some of the lyrics of that song go like this. So, so it goes like this. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. I'm sing just going to sping it. Sing it. Yeah. No, no, no. Uh, you may be an ambassador to England or France. You may like to gamble. You may like to dance. You may be the heavyweight champion of the world. You, you may be a socialite with a long string of pearls. <laughs> but you're going to have to serve somebody, Right? Indeed, you're going to have to serve somebody. It may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. That's, that's my best Dylan impression, sorry. Um, I, I mean, so, it, it's so true. You, you, it may be the devil, or it may be the Lord, but you're going to have to serve somebody. And 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 apparently Jesus and Bob Dylan both knew it, right? Like... <laughs> <laughs> how, how many at some point of your life have gotten caught up chasing money? I have. I have. I mean, at one point or another, um, you know, it, it could have been a, a nicer car that, you know, we wanted. Uh, and once we jumped through all the hoops to get it, right? We found ourselves chasing money to keep up with the payments, right? Um, I I think a lot of times greed doesn't quite look just exclusively like Scrooge McDuck swimming in his vault of gold, like in DuckTales, right? Like, I don't think it exclusively looks like that. Uh, It looks like, anybody know what I'm talking about, DuckTales? Okay, good, good, good. All right. Uh, 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 It looks like possessions that we can't really afford, but are lusting after, and some may have gone to undesirable lengths to make those purchases happen, like getting a really high interest rate credit card or, or taking on a second or third job. And for the Christian, the thing that is so hard to keep in mind about the stuff we want is that it's all temporary. It's all temporary. The happiness our possessions bring us here on earth is momentary compared to the everlasting joy we will experience in eternity. Like, so this iPad, I use it a lot. It's one of my main ministry tools. It's pretty awesome. I like it, you know. Um, But it's fleeting. It's fleeting. And not just because Apple says it's already outdated. Right? (laughs) Right? but because it's temporary, right? Jesus put it this way in Matthew 6:19 through 21, do not store up for yourselves treasures in on on earth where moths And vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For, now this is key, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, keep in mind that all this earthly stuff is going to be gone one day. It's going to be gone. Whether thieves break in and steal it, Or for whatever reason, it just becomes destroyed and unusable. No matter what it is, it's going to be gone one day. Jesus is saying that if these things are what we treasure, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but one day we're going to be sorely disappointed sorely disappointed because what you treasure tells loads and loads about where your heart is. You might might think you have a shopping issue or you might think you have a self-control issue or a living beyond your means issue. I would venture to say that it goes deeper than that because Jesus is telling us that what we treasure speaks about our hearts. We don't have a self-control issue. We have a heart issue issue. The thing is not the thing. Say it with me. The thing is not the thing, right? And and just so we're clear, I'm preaching to myself right now, and you guys just have my permission to listen in, okay? (laughs) I think a lot of times the heart issue comes down to trust in God to provide us with what we need. Notice I said need and not want. He gives us what we want a lot of times, too, because he's a good father. He's generous, and he loves to give his children good gifts. But frankly, sometimes we get our needs and our wants confused. And we, barely, we, we very quickly can get to a place where we are worried we may not get any of it. And usually, that's where we take matters into our own hands and trust God with none of it. And all the while, Jesus is saying in Matthew 6, 31-33, 31-33, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear. For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness in a day and age where we don't like anyone telling us what to do with our money. That is a bold statement, my friend. But it's not just a statement. It's a promise. It's a promise that if we decide that first and foremost, first, we're going to live a kingdom-minded lifestyle and invest our time, money, and energy into what God, God deems righteous. He will take care of our every need. It's that seek first part that is difficult for us, I feel like. That seek first part. It's a lot easier to seek after God when we have reached the point of feeling anxious and worried about our needs. It's a lot easier to seek God then, and I'm not shaming that in any way, but this scripture calls us to seek first, right? So how do we make the shift to seeking first the kingdom of God? How do we begin to let go of the anxiousness we feel towards things and money? How do we begin to loosen the death grip that the desire for earthly treasures has on our heart? How do we begin to address not just the behavioral surface issue, but the deeper sin issue in our heart? How do we begin the process of rejecting the pressure that the world puts on us? Ricardo said it last week, and I'm going to say it again this week. By renewing our mind, renewing our mind romans twelve two if you have a Bible or an eye device or whatever, you just want to like underline that bad boy like um, romans twelve two do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Like I said, if you have a Bible, underline that. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles to give you, and you can underline it after service. But come, come see me, we will get you a Bible. Um, I'm sure many of you have heard the scripture a hundred times, but, but what are some practical ways We can renew our minds when it comes to possessions, money, our needs, and our wants. How do we renew our minds when temptation rears its ugly head? And it always does, right? There are three very practical ways that we can do this, I think. And the first one is renew your mind in God's Word. Renew your mind in God's Word. This may seem like a no-brainer to some of you, but I believe where others of us go wrong is in our preparation for temptation. That's where a lot of times it goes wrong, is we're not prepared for temptation. When temptation strikes, you don't have time to fumble around looking through the Bible for a random scripture that helps with your current circumstance. In those moments, you need to be ready, you need to be armed, you need to be prepared. And what I'm suggesting is maybe creating a card that you tape to your mirror, or maybe it's your journal that you carry around, or maybe it's a note on your phone, something that you have easy access to at all times that has a list of scriptures written on it. Scriptures that will help remind you of God's great love for you, His promise of provision for you. Don't just write the reference numbers down. I suggest that you write the whole scripture uh, one at a time by hand if you can. A note note on your phone is good for easy access, but there's just something about pressing the pen to the page and writing it out in your own handwriting that makes it feel so much more memorable. The goal of this is not only to be ready in times of temptation, but also to begin to store up God's word in your heart as a treasure, If you do this enough, eventually you won't need a card to remind you what the scriptures say. And that, my friends, is an amazing place to be and makes you very dangerous in the enemy's eyes. The second practical way I can think of to fight back against temptation comes... Uh, when temptation comes, rather, is to uh, renew your mind with what God has already done. Renew your mind with what God has already done. This is a simple one, but very effective. Also, very helpful to have written down and readily accessible. Write down all the ways you can think of that God has already provided for you. The big ways... In the small ways, write it down and renew the memory of those provisions in your mind. Remind yourself that though we may have changed and the circumstances around us may have changed, but God hasn't changed, right? He still loves you the same way He always has. He is still working uh, toward the same goal God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Remind, reminding ourselves of all the times God has provided for us in the past is a powerful tool when we are tempted to feel overcome by anxiety and worry. And the third and final practical way, as the, as the worship team comes, uh, the third and final practical way to resist falling into sin because of temptation is to renew your mind in prayer. Renew your mind in prayer. Earlier on in the same chapter, Matthew 6, Jesus tells a huge crowd of people how to do this. He says in Matthew 6, verses 7-13, through He says, And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You may have heard that prayer a hundred times. But Jesus structured this prayer very strategically, which could be a whole other teaching series, honestly. It starts out very simply giving glory to God, which is always a good place to start. And asking Him to have His way. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Then it moves on to asking God to provide for our needs and to forgive us for our sins. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors. And it simply closes with asking the Lord to protect our hearts against temptation and to be our deliverer from evil. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil evil. Remember that when you're struggling with anxiety, worry, and temptation when it comes to earthly treasures, the thing is not always the thing. Most of the time, it goes so much deeper than that problem on the surface. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you take these practical steps, family, if you take these practical steps to renew your mind in the fight and begin to proactively wage the war within, watch as temptation, worry, and anxiety flee in the presence of God. Just watch it flee. I'm going to pray now. And I'm going to, in a moment, I'm going to invite the ushers forward. But after we sing this next song and we close out our service, there's going to be prayer partners up here that we want to invite you to participate with. If you have a prayer this message struck a chord with you in some way, we want to invite you to pray about that. If you want to pray about something completely different, we want to pray with you about that. We would love to pray with you. So don't miss out on an opportunity to partner with someone in prayer and don't go into the fight alone. We're family here. And I heard someone say, I think it was a soldier, We got your six. All right. Let's pray. Father God, we invite you to. Allow this message that You've given us today, Lord, to simmer in our hearts, God. We invite You to bring to the surface the real problems that we're dealing with. Lord, we invite You to help us differentiate between our wants and our needs. promises are as true today as when You first spoke them. Help us to cling on to that, Lord. Help us to be prepared and ready for when temptation strikes, when anxiety and worry strikes, when the enemy wants to derail whatever You're doing in our lives, God. Help us to be prepared. Help us to be able to Resist and reject what the culture around us is is trying to sell us, Lord. Help us to see it for what it is. Father, we know that You are capable of the impossible. We believe it. And so, Father, we ask You to do what we've deemed impossible in our lives. Help us, Lord. Help us to help each other, Lord. We love You. We thank You, in Jesus' name. And as the ushers come forward... We, uh, we lift up our offering, God. Lord, take it and bless it and send it out to serve Your kingdom and Your purposes in our city and in the nations, Lord. Lord, in our neighbors and worldwide, God build your church, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.